Hello, Voices of Wrestling listener. Dave Ryan here. Have you ever wondered to yourself, how many hidden gems are hidden away inside the last years of World Championship Wrestling? Have you ever asked yourself how many tenuous gags can be made about the name Mike Enos? And have you ever thought about what it sounds like for two Irishmen to interpret a very chaotic company through its B-show? The answers to all this and more are just a click away. Check out Days of Thunder every second Thursday on the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network. This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling Podcasting Network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. Welcome back, everyone, to the Gentleman's Wrestling Podcast. I am your host, as always, Jesse Collings. And joining me today for a first-time guest, uh, he's the host of the NWA Podcast with Nate Milton over on Post Wrestling. Um, He's also a professor of political science at Cal State University, Fullerton. He's Dr. Chris Ely. Chris, how are you doing today? Hey, I'm uh, great. I'm I'm great, uh, Jesse. Sorry, get I got a little tongue tied. Great, Jesse. I uh, love uh, the work you do at WrestleNomics. I'm a big fan of uh, the Gentlemen's Wrestling Podcast. So I will uh, try to practice as much gentlemanly etiquette as I can. Yeah, I don't know if we were really conducting gentlemanly etiquette ed- etiquette <laughs> on the show. the The name of the show is only exists because I originally wanted. I was really like fascinated. I wanted to do like these deep dives on specific subjects, almost like you're reading like this long New Yorker portfolio right. on something. Yeah. And so mm-hmm. I just, when I was me and uh, my former co-host, uh, Jason Unpresser, when we were coming up with the concept of the show, I was like, yeah, like gentlemen's wrestling podcast, if only because I wanted to separate it from like the hot take culture that many podcasts have. Right. Yeah. Like specific, and I, yeah, and I don't get that. Yeah, I don't get that impression from you at all when I listen to your show. That's why I like because some you, you, there's a lot of people in our in our space that that exists just to be rabble rousers, so to speak, and, and to say offensive things just for clicks and listens and all that. So yeah, um, and it's yeah, it's I'm, it's not even like necessarily like the people that are like. It's also like an element like. Of people that just get worked up and it's not necessarily like right because they're looking for attention or something like that it's just their that's their style and i didn't i don't want this mm-hmm. to be like a uh a thing where people <clears throat> are screaming at each other or someone's getting really worked up about something um i want it to be uh more gentlemanly. one day I'll, I'll do a live episode with several guests and we'll all be sitting in like a uh yeah we'll all be wearing tweed coats and be sitting in a um like a like a like a like a gentleman's club room and smoking uh, pipes and we'll uh, right, th- yes. we'll discuss the the, the <laughs> latest wrestling news with with fake british accents um <laughs> but the reason i wanted to have chris on the show today was um i wanted to talk about something that has really been fascinating to me for a long time and it was kind of um hammered home uh last month when uh brandon thurston of wrestlenomics of course i imagine most listeners of the show are hopefully familiar with wrestlenomics um but brandon published a chart that was um looking at kind of the different various demographics of pro wrestling fans 
and kind of basically looking at who was watching each, you know, major pro wrestling show that's uh, telecast in the United States. And he had breakdowns for, you know, economic background. He had breakdowns for uh, educational background and he had breakdowns on racial backgrounds. And he had some really, one, of, and that was something that really fascinated me. So I'm going to attempt to, uh, to screen share here um, for, so just so the listeners on, or the viewers on video can see it. Um, let's see. Well, let's see if I can share screen, right? I can do that. <laughs> yes. I think that should be uh, quite right. Um, right. So as people can see, this is the chart that Brandon produced and it has the racial breakdowns of every single show that's on American television for the most part. Um, and the big thing that jumps out to me, really like kind of like the only thing that jumps out to me because these are very similar is the percentage of WWE's audience that is black versus the percentage of AEW's audience that is black, which is, um, uh, in particular with dynamite, um, which is for people who are listening, listening and not seeing this chart, AW's dynamite audience is 68% white and 16% black. That's according to Nielsen data, which is not infallible, but at least gives us something in the ballpark. Right. And for instance, Monday Night Raw's audience is 59% white, 25% black. They're about the same in, in percentage of Hispanic audience, about the same in percentage of Asian audience, and about the same in other races. It's really the difference between the racial breakdowns between the two companies is mm -hmm. the black viewers seem to prefer WWE or are not tuning into dynamite at the same rate that maybe white viewers are and right. one of the one of the many reasons why i think this is important is that how often do we have conversations about how can AEW grow how can AEW create new fans how can they get more people to become invested in their product that can go to live shows that can buy pay-per-views that can buy merchandise all of that stuff and one of them i'm looking at right here is that clearly there is a percentage of black fans who are you know, loyal WWE viewers that, for whatever reason, are not tuning into AEW, particularly AEW Dynamite. And I wanted to kind of explore some of the reasons maybe for that and kind of also maybe what are some things that they can do. And and Chris, you were on an episode of WrestleNomics with John Pollock and Brandon Thurston, mm -hmm. and you talked about this very issue um, in December. Um, and I thought you did a great job on that. Um, so I wanted to invite you on the show. Um, and I guess for starters, when you first saw this chart, did what was kind of your reaction to that in terms of did it did it check out? Did it make sense? Did it confirm some things you already thought? Um, what did it kind of say to you? A, a little bit of everything. Yeah, it confirmed some things that I already thought. Um, it also told me that AEW, this is something that we've talked about on um the NWA podcast and I've written about for WrestleNomics. Um, and it's just, they do um, not have, they do not have their finger on the pulse of black America. Probably WWE. I don't think they really do either. I just think that it's more of what people know and more of what people are used to, you know, and anytime you're the number two, um, I think just as a general rule of thumb, 
the masses are going to gravitate towards the number one. So, um, and if you're like a casual fan, um, AEW might just seem second rate. Um, I do think with um, the um, ascension of uh, Swerve Strickland, um, and if they can do have more people like him on the rise, I think the the company will rise as a whole. But there's really not been a whole lot of black wrestlers in AEW to really get invested in to to sink your teeth in so to, into so to speak right it's like you've got um talented guys like Scorpio Sky but it always seems like they hit a ceiling or hit a wall they get a push and then for some reason it's it's not there anymore uh Ricky Starks um I thought he was going to be the guy for a long time. And then all of a sudden he's derailed and now he's not in a horrible position. It's just by this time, this year, like last year, I thought this guy would be at least in the conversation for the world title. And now he's, you know, in a tag team, um, a makeshift tag team at, at that, which, you know, it's fine, but, it, it's, it's just if you do a lot of that stuff, what you're doing is you're telling your audience that um, this guy is not a priority or is just not as important as other people we care about. So that's why the way they handle Swerve in this moment right here is going to be so important to the way um, Black fans receive them, at least in my opinion. Yeah, and this is a problem. I think there's problem. There's elements of it too in WWE, but it's a problem yes. across the board in AEW in terms of AEW seems to allow wrestlers to show a lot of potential, mm-hmm. and then there's a struggle to follow up and push those people all the way. And so right. when you talk about wrestlers like Ricky Starks or Swerve, um, who are guys who have shown a lot of potential. Um, and then they, 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 whether they feel like they hit a ceiling or they feel like that they've kind of, they feel like they were in the driver's seat and then they're kind of pushed into the back seat. I think that's a kind of a universal problem. I think one of the major things going back to AEW's foundation is that if you look at AEW's original roster mm-hmm. when they first debuted on, on TNT, it was a very white roster. And all, right. <laughs> all of the most prominent names for the most part were white. And there right. really wasn't outside of Scorpio Sky, there really mm-hmm. wasn't like any black talent to, to be seen. I'm trying to even think of anyone else that was on that original roster. It was private party. They gave them a match with um the young bucks. Right. And... I was actually at that. I was actually at that match. Now I think about it. Yeah, yeah you're right. It's but they were a complete fun. completely unproven, like I mean. I had, I don't even think, I think I'd seen one match of them prior. Yeah, and you could almost tell when you watch that match with Private private Party and the Bucks and Private Party wins the match. You could almost tell it was like kind of a charity win. Like, we're going to let these guys win and then they just do absolutely nothing after that. Like you said, they were just unproven, you know? Yeah, and, and I think, I don't know, I don't know if that's necessarily like AEW's fault, like there just wasn't, 
they had a they yeah. signed the talent that was available to them. It was it was the same way with the women's division where the women's division was certainly pretty weak in terms of names. Mm -hmm. And it was because, well, there there, you know, if there was and this is a, a longer standing issue, I think, in the wrestling industry across the board. But if there was, you know, the black version of Chris Jericho or the black version of Cody Rhodes that was out there um, to be signed, I think AEW would assign them. The problem was there was a limited amount of people to be signed. And I think that when AEW starts, that sets kind of a stigma where people who were, you know, I forget what the how many people actually tuned into the first episode of Dynamite. I think it was like one point. 1 million or 1.3 million something like that um when people are sampling the show for the first time and they're making that judgment whether or not i'm going to watch that watch the show and the show is very white there's basically yeah. only one black wrestler of note at all yeah. a lot of those people might tune out um now since then i think AEW has done a good job at least in being active in signing black talent that has come available to mm -hmm. them they signed ricky starks when he was available they signed swerve when he was released from wwe they got out they went out and they got keith lee um mm -hmm. they are i don't i i definitely think that they're active in that sense but i think what you have is you have now that talent being caught in kind of what you were talking about earlier chris which is taking someone who has promise and really elevating them to the top level uh, of yeah. the company which really if you look at the last the four years of AEW the only two wrestlers I would say that have cracked the top echelon of the company that didn't start there were MJF and Hangman Page and Hangman mm -hmm. you could argue was was kind of already there he you know he made evented their 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 full gear pay-per-view and was Jericho's first the first well, challenge for the um original challenger for the uh the first title and things like that but really over 4 years there's only been one guy who I think has has climbed up to the highest level in the company and that's MJF and right. at this point there's probably room for more and that means there's probably room for more diversity as well yeah, it's 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 weird with AEW because it always does seem like they're waiting for like free agents to get released. Um, and I think that is fine. It's just while you're doing that, you need to be pushing um the next generations of generation of stars. MJF is um, you know, his uh rise has been kind of meteoric. Um and I I think with AEW sometimes when I watch it, um, and this is probably the difference between AEW and WWE, and I don't have any like data driven, uh, this is just an assumption, this is anecdotal, um, so please take it as such. But sometimes when I watch AEW, as a general rule of thumb, I like AEW better than I like WWE, but there is a lot of, like, clown crap on AEW sometimes that I just cannot relate to. And I think, and I look at it as, um, I like a lot of Black things, urbane things, and um, when um, uh um mjf and adam cole when they were like doing the angle where they're 
they're um, like at a um, miniature golf course or whatever. Maybe it was Frisbee golf. I don't even remember. And the vignettes like, with MJF and Cole, which were yeah, very goofy. Yeah, that was so clownish and goofy. Um, and, and I talked to some of the uh, Black podcasters, and I think some of us were split because some some liked it, and there were others that didn't like it. Um, it wasn't universally liked by uh, the, the Black people in this space that I was talking to. And um, I do think that's going to be an issue as well, because say what you want about WWE, um, there are things like that that don't necessarily appeal to me or appeal to um and I, I there I don't think there's been anything like blatantly that clownish um on their television. We'll talk about our truth in a minute, probably, <laughs> but uh that 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 kind of thing with the main event talent. Right. Um, that's a and I think Right. That's a big point, which is we're talking about Adam Cole and MJF, which is like the most pushed angle in the entire company. Right. Like yeah, NXT yeah. is full of goofy vignettes like that. Um, yeah. But you're right. That's it's not <sighs> something that like Cody Rhodes is doing or Roman right. Reigns or the true top talent. And it's funny, you know, it's interesting you mentioned that because I think those were um, uh, like those like you talked about those those MJF and Cole vignettes. And those are definitely kind of I think a lot of people least in my space had really negative feelings towards them yeah and then you bring them up as kind of like this clownish thing and, and in hindsight like now i'm looking at them I'm like those are extremely white vignettes like they're just like <laughs> this goofy like yeah. we're gonna go out we're gonna try chinese food and it's gonna be too spicy or too yeah, hot for yeah. us or something like that and it's like and that isn't because you're right this is the major angle that the company is promoting it's not like this little like you know two minute thing that is just right, you know yeah. not gonna spoil anything this is the the relationship the company is hoping you invest in the most because it's being right. presented as that like and i was looking looking at a chart um i want to say um a a month ago or so and they were talking about top 10 shows um they surveyed black people white people top 10 shows amongst black people white people and stuff uh one in 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 the black shows it was very interesting it was one of the shows that was in the top 10 was three's company for um this is um i wish i had the chart on me but it was like this is one of the top 10 shows that black people like is is three's company and i think like when you're um doing these things it's it's, it's a, about attracting the black audience it's more than just having black talent it's having talent that even black people can relate to in some significant way um and different shows get penalized for for different things like the um like uh if you take friends for example friends is always getting criticized criticized for being extra white no diversity um barely having black people leave it as background characters but they did have like a few prominent ones towards the latter seasons and i just think the reason why um black audiences shut off with shut off of friends and i'm getting to a point with wrestling i just have to tell this anecdote real quick um is that i think um 
I think Friends represents like an idealized version of white society that um, I don't think um, a significant amount of Black people can relate to on that level. You know, with Friends, it was kind of like they live in this New York City white-topia, only interact with other white people, um, tell a lot of like very white jokes. Um, and it's a funny show, but I don't think it's, it, it, I think that show kind of tells the black audience without telling the black audience that this show isn't for you. And I think AEW was suffering from a little bit of that. To be fair to AEW, they weren't, it was, what, what was going on with them in some cases was not fair. Um, people in the wrestling media. Um, I'm I'm friends with um, Alfred uh, Kanawa. I'm, I know him from out here in LA. He 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 just write the most. Um, and I've told this to him to his face. He he just write the most trash articles on AEW where I thought <laughs> thought he was kind of like not being fair to them as a company, accusing them of things that WWE itself has been doing for decades. So they had that going against them as well. Um, and just the perception. And, and at the time when a lot of goofy stuff was going on in AEW, um, WWE was, they were kind of pushing black wrestlers, whether you want to say if they were, salient pushes or not but they were at least there um now i think they're back in a lull but um at least during that time period you had bobby lashley as the champion you had um biggie challenge him uh the kofi kingston stuff happened at the tail end of uh 2019 so there were things that like told that that signal to black people this is a show for you. Um, and I think that now they're WWE right now with the main roster, at least they're, they're just clearly not in that season at the moment. And um, it ebbs and flows, I guess I should say. Yeah. I, I think you just made, I think you made a really interesting point there in terms of uh, not like, obviously like if you're looking for like a solution, it would be like, well, just push, push more black people. Right. Right. Um, but I think you touched on something really interesting that I've never thought about. And like, I think it's a great reason why I wanted to have you on the show is like certain characters that they don't necessarily, they don't have to be black. They don't have to be white, but if their stories or their characters um, are presented in a certain way, they can, as you said, like tell people, black people that this is not for them without, you know, expressly saying it. And I do think that um, like, if you compare like MJF's character or Adam mm -hmm. Cole's character to say Roman Reigns's character or Cody right. Rhodes's character, those guys are probably seemingly more relatable to black viewers than like yeah. MJF's character. And, and they 100% are. That's kind of an issue as well. Um, and it's, I mean, you know, I think this like Samoans and and black people are kind of tied at the hip out here, um, especially in California. I've got plenty of Samoan friends, uh, 
plenty, plenty of uh, Pacific Islander friends. Um, and our cultures are very, very similar. So automatically, you know, when you see like uh, Roman Reigns and Main Event J and all that stuff, even if it's not the greatest at the moment, it's still something that um, the the black every man or every woman can kind of relate to. Um, even even if it was interested looking at the um the top 10 and top 20 merch seller sellers that Thurston posted a while ago and no black people were on on those lists and this is for strictly WWE um and this and this and this kind of speaks to you have to make these people if the I think people will buy the merch of people if they feel important and I don't think anybody um, on the WWE roster at the moment feels important of any black folks on the WWE roster feels that important at the moment. And I think that kind of attributes to um, low merchandise sales. Um, with AEW, it's just, I think Tony Khan is used to the wrestling that he's used to. Um, and it's, and when you're the only person booking the show, I don't know, um, if he's, um, who he's getting advice from. I know he hired, uh, Will Washington to write a while back. Um, I, I casually know Will Washington. We're not besties or anything, but you, hopefully he's getting advice from, uh, minds like, uh, Will Washington when he's booking these shows, because it really, sometimes just doesn't seem like um though any black wrestlers are prioritized and the thing with with when you're dealing with demographics and people they want their groups rep represented you know they want to feel like they're a part of something and then if you're and then the overall show as a whole like you like you were saying um Jesse it, people are not just going to watch your show just because you're pushing a random black talent they gotta it's gotta be a black talent that relates to people like if like again with the swerve stuff right now um it really does feel like he's on the precipice the cusp of something and that's really what we want to feel when we watch these shows yeah, I think I think you raise a good point. For starters, just historically in wrestling, the the key bookers, the key writers have almost always been white. Like, mm -hmm. and even now today, outside of Will Washington, I don't know if I can name another um, black man or woman who's in a key creative in a creative position in either AEW or WWE. I'm sure WWE has some. You know, they have the whole writers' room. Uh, yeah. of people so i sure there's somebody there but in terms of like major people that we know whether it's you know paul levesque or or sean michaels or bruce pritchard like it, it does yeah. it does it's it's you know it's it's it and historically it's it's pretty much always been the case that this has been an industry that's been dominated by the creative visions of white men typically older white men right yeah in if you if i interject for a second no go it, for it um WWE like I am 
if they've got a black person in the writer's room right now that is writing that um that bullshit excuse the language i don't know what no it's okay go for it okay yeah that's writing that bullshit with our truth um and they're telling them that is the way to go i think they're they they really do not have a handle on the black audience or don't even care to have one i critically think about everything guys that's just my what i do as an educator right i don't just watch things and just accept them for what they are this stuff with our truth in my opinion and you can at me send all your hate tweets to me is so um antiquated and dumb that it really kind of turns my stomach when i watch it you've got this black character on the show in an angle where he's trying to be friends with the cool kids a couple of them are white a couple of them are uh, hispanic latino um and it's just every week this guy is like delusional to think he's in with the cool kids and he's not and they and people are laughing at him for just being a dumb guy and I, I am waiting for it to go somewhere um and then the arguments that I see online from people is well our truth doesn't have a problem so you shouldn't have a problem with it as well that would be cool if it only affected our truth when I see crap like this it affects the race you know so if it, I, I I honestly don't care how much our truth loves this. If he if, if if he loves it, good for him. Keep on keep it keeping on. But you really got to think of the way that you're represented at the moment. And you got to think of the kids that are watching this that are like um trying to to aspire to be WWE superstars. And it's horrible, horrible, horrible stuff in my opinion. Um, and I haven't, I'm, I'm open to arguments that says it's not, but I haven't heard a good one. Um, so I had to get that off of my chest with, with the R-Truth stuff. Um, and this is, WWE has a history of doing this crap. It's not just that they do offensive crap. They do offensive and insulting crap. AEW, for all their faults, they're... And they have a lot of faults, um, mainly being that they don't they 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 treat the women like they're just there. They treat the blacks sometimes like they're just there, but they're not representing them in a embarrassing light the way WWE sometimes does. And I thought we were over that once Vince McMahon got out of power, and it seems like we're still doing that shit. Um, Sorry for the rant, but because no, I, I think that out. there's a really, I think that I just, I don't know, I, and there's plenty of reasons, uh, you know, uh, there's plenty of reasons why this is like that, why this, um, you know, exists like this the way it does. But there is the the lawsuit from last year, um, mm -hmm. by a former the W. Trust one. 
or the or the the, the Abraham. Yeah. Um, so this is Brittany Abrahams, who was a former WWE staff writer. I think yeah. she was the only black woman on the WWE staff or on the, the Raw writing team, whatever she what team she was on. Right. Um, and she had a lawsuit that had some pretty bad stuff in it in terms of her interactions with the head writing team. Mm-hmm. And I think one of the key things was they the the writing team was really they really wanted Bianca Belair to say this line, which was like don't make me yeah. take my earrings off and beat your ass or something like that. Yeah, yeah. It was some real stereotypical uh black woman line. That was, yeah, I remember. Yeah, and I think Bianca was like, I don't I don't talk like that. So like mm-hmm. I don't think that really fits my character. Yeah. Um and, and and Brittany Abrahams was very, you know, sympathetic, being like, Yeah, we should come up with something different. And one of the the head writers said something, again, this is according to the lawsuit, which has since been dropped, but mm-hmm. um he said something like, you know, like he rolled his eyes. was like, you guys make it very, we don't know how to write for black characters. Like he just said that. Right. Um, and I was like, whoa, that's, that's <laughs> pretty big that a WWE writer said that. And then unfortunately, if you look at like what major creative direction Bianca Belair has had over the last year or so, I would say that it seems very truthful to say that they don't know how to write for black woman characters because she really hasn't had anything interesting to do i think um, yeah no, she, she, yeah and she, she go ahead sorry yeah and I, and I was just gonna throw in i was like we know that you know mercedes monet and in trinity quit the company i guess trinity's contract mm-hmm. expired but mercedes walked out of the company mm-hmm. um because of creative differences maybe that had to do with vince mcmahon or, or whatever but those are your your two most prominent you know black female performers mercedes was probably your most one of your most prominent performers period uh when she walked out and then even this you know jade they had jade around but they haven't done yeah. anything with her right and, and then triple h in that press conference says that you know they it was pretty much saying she didn't learn anything at AEW. That's what I heard. I know that's not what he said, but it was it's like what is she gonna learn in NXT that's gonna better prepare her for um main roster? I think Jade Cardgill at the moment she's the wrestler that she is. I don't mm-hmm. I don't think she's gonna get any better or worse. Um, I don't think she's like horrible, but I don't, I, if they're trying to make her become another uh, Mercedes Monet, um, that they they do not understand what, what she is as a wrestler. She is who she is. Either, you know, um, shit or get off the proverbial pot because this is, you know, this is who you have. And I don't, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I don't think every wrestler needs to be uh daniel bryan or brian danielson i think if 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 you've got her push her um do something with her um so um because that again that's kind of like you were saying about uh, bianca she's just been sitting in this weird limbo at the moment yes she hasn't been like killed or anything it's not like she's been buried and forced to lose a bunch of matches but she even when she was champion she just didn't seem to have a real creative 
direction mm -hmm. she you know she had yeah. matches and she won most of them and she retained her title for a long time but there's like what's her storyline what's what's she doing it's just she's kind of just like this you know popular talented over wrestler but doesn't seem to have a lot of creative direction and i and you know coming off of the lawsuit and just looking at what are the black women in this company doing and as yeah. you mentioned you can throw in the black men for a lot of cases like bobby lashley what's he up to um yeah and, and i think that's that's a problem and with jade i mean to me the whole like oh jade isn't like a good enough wrestler for us to have on tv is total nonsense ww puts yeah. it absolutely <laughs> awful <laughs> especially on nxt there are some people that have had like under five matches that are on tv i, yeah. I think jade is maybe turned out to be maybe like a little disappointing in terms of in-ring ability but you can't tell me that she's not better than many of the people that are on tv we just right we just, yeah. saw, we just saw nia Jax have a 12 minute match on raw okay like yeah. jay can't work squash matches on on tv and i think it was a lost i mean we'll see what ends up happening with her but i do, i think she had a lot more momentum when she just made the jump from AEW to ww yeah yeah that this 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 pause has definitely been a momentum killer um, and I've gotten into arguments uh, on my own podcast with with uh, like my uh, my my friend Andrew Thompson, one of the co-hosts. It's it, it, you can't do this to people if you're not going to debut her. Just I would have per I would have perfect been I would have been perfectly content with her debuting at the Royal Rumble, putting her eye on ice for a few months. But when you show her on TV and you announce this signing. And then you just do nothing with her. All she's doing is walking around backstage, um, and we're waiting for her to do something. It it is it's a moment momentum killer. It doesn't give me hope for her in the future. Um, it reminds me of um, when uh, that uh, Joey Legend guy. I don't know if if this is probably before your time, uh, but this guy uh, Joey Legend. He was, uh, they called him Just Joe in WWE. He's this big indie guy that was supposed to debut. And everybody was like, oh yeah, Joey Legend, he's coming to WWE. And all they did were backstage vignettes with the guy. And then he never shows up. Uh, I see this kind of being a repeat of what's going on with, with Jade at the moment. Um, and like you said, she there was, are people uh, on NXT. Yeah. yeah she what's was that? getting, she was just, she was getting out of limos. And I think they were yeah. trying to do this thing where like, oh, is she on Raw? Is she on SmackDown? Is she could be on NXT? Like, where is she going? Yeah. And then, I mean, she's she's fallen off the face of the earth the last month. I don't yeah. think anyone's seen her anywhere. So, um, yeah, yeah. I, I, I did see her on a video where she was, I think she gave uh, Nelly, uh, the rapper, uh, like, a, like a title belt or something. Yeah, she was, was at a... She was at one of like, I think she was at like the big 12 championship game with like the, it was like the yeah. Undertaker, Jade and like two other people, which I was like, yeah. I wonder what all these people talked about like backstage before they were. Yeah, I know, right? It was like a, some kind of Motley crew right there. Yeah, but um, and you're right. It was kind of a weird thing to like, you either have her debut at the Rumble and it's like this big deal when she makes a surprise, you know, entrance. Um, But now you kind of set the stage where she's like, oh, you teased her doing something and then she's gone. And it's just mm -hmm. kind of a, and and to me this this has nothing to do with her wrestling. It has to do with not having a plan for for her. Yeah, I feel like that's the key. And it, and that's the problem with wrestling as well. And I think it affects the black talent worse than it affects other talent. TK was going through that as 
well. It's like you sign Swerve, you signed Athena, you signed um, uh, uh, Keith Lee, you signed all of these talents, and now they're just kind of there and really not doing anything. It it becomes like, are you just are we just hoarding talent at the moment, or are you signing these people? with a plan in place for them. Um, and I mean, it's, it doesn't just affect um, black talent, but the, but the problem with this is there's way more white talent than black talent. So even though it doesn't, it affects some white talent too, when it only affects, when it affects black talent, they get hurt more than white talent because white talent is always gonna get pushed, right? Um, and I think that point is missed on a lot of uh, people who watch wrestling. And like like I was telling you earlier, I, I critically think about all of this stuff. It doesn't matter what it is, whether it's CM Punk getting fired or how wrestlers are pushed. I always think of the optics of the situation when Bianca Belair, when she lost to uh, Becky Lynch in, what was it, 30 seconds or something at that SummerSlam, mm -hmm. I think of the optics of that. You know, you could say, oh, this is just the storyline and this and that, but the bottom line is this is a Black woman wrestler on your show when there's not a lot of Black women wrestlers on your show at the moment, and she is played to be a sucker and and lose like that and just and just I don't I don't know what questions these people ask themselves when they're pushing talent like that I think this is where like consultants kind of play is asking them is this offensive if is this not offensive or if it if it's if it is offensive, at least how do we bring it to a place where it won't be offensive anymore? You know, um, and that and that and that's my whole thing. I don't necessarily mind uh, like taboo subjects in wrestling, but it's got to be going somewhere. It can't just be taboo and racist and antiquated and dumb just for be, being, for the sake of being taboo, antiquated, racist, and dumb. It's gotta be leading us to a destination. You mentioned something about like, especially with AEW and Tony Khan, kind of the wrestling that Tony Khan is familiar with, which, mm -hmm. and and I've been thinking about this in terms of, uh, again, if, if you look at these charts, I, I think 14% of the United States is african-american mm -hmm. um so even dynamite with its 16 percent black audience is over indexing with with the black right. audience and wwe obviously um is doing tremendously well so in general wrestling is is very popular with black people just mm -hmm. as, a, as a general rule but and I, I i have no data for this and i'd be interested in hearing your perspective just yeah. anecdotally like indie wrestling like whether it's ring of honor or pwg or any of these other indie promotions that have existed despite the fact that wrestling in general is very popular with black people, those atmospheres I've experienced have been overwhelmingly white, far more than if you were to go to a WWE show or right. even an AEW show. And I do wonder if 
AEW, which is, you know, in a lot of ways, an evolved form of the American indie scene from the 2000s and 2010s, and is was kind of, you know, grew up as this niche thing that people, you know, uh, talked about on the internet, if that plays a role in kind of, it's this niche nerdy white person thing and not right. this maybe more uh, mainstream uh, mm -hmm. thing that connects with, with, with across many different racial demographics. Yeah. Yeah. I could, I could see that. And I, I, I haven't watched um, ROH or anything like that in a, in a while, but um, yeah, I can definitely see that because that that does happen. You know, that's a that's a thing that happens in wrestling, especially with like indie shows and sh in shows that are kind of, uh, you know, it's it it's really like because because the idea is attract. You don't want to necessarily abandon your current audience, but you just want to tell other people that this is for you as well, you know? Um, and that's kind of like, because the sport of baseball is going through a little bit of that right now, back in the 90s. Like, I remember being a baseball fan in the 90s, and we had uh, Kenny Lofton and Deion Sanders and David Justice and just all of these awesome base baseball players. Um and then by the 2000s, there's, there's less and less uh, Black people um, wanting to play baseball. And WWE, um, they've got the talent. AEW has the talent. Um, the indies, the talent is there. It's just wrestling is going to have to evolve to something where you're including more people and you're not treating like even with like um like women wrestlers you it's important that you feature these it, the roles that you feature people in are just as important as featuring them period you know um that like um AEW does they used to do this thing where if they didn't have any idea of what what they wanted to do with a wrestler they would just be on dark all the time i actually didn't mind that like i know other people did i didn't mind it because at least they're not on tv losing all the time wwe has this weird thing um and i don't know if it's going to be like this in the uh, nick con uh triple h era, but they have this thing where they just put talented people on television and if they don't have anything to do with them, it's just let's have them lose every week, you know. Um, so it's a it's a it's a lot of different things. It's a cultural thing. It's it's the main event. Like I think any, I think no matter what your race is, if you're looking at the WrestleMania season, I think most fans want to see, um, most hardcore fans. Let me rephrase that. Want to see probably Seth Rollins. Um, and um, CM Punk on night one, maybe Cody Rhodes and uh, and um, Roman Reigns on night two. But if if you're telling good stories, black people are just going to gravitate. And then once they gravitate, you have to make sure you're pushing the black wrestlers. This is this goes for um, both companies, you know. Yeah, it's interesting you mentioned baseball uh, mm -hmm. as this thing where baseball it's still going on but it was this huge issue with baseball used to be if you go back to like 
you know, the seventies, eighties and nineties, tons of star black players. Every team right, had yeah. several star black players. Mm -hmm. And for a variety of reasons, that's no longer the case. And it's this real concern about is baseball on its way to becoming like, kind of like hockey where it can still be popular, but it can be totally in this own niche that a lot of people will have no idea, you know, couldn't name any players or anything like that. Um, and this is something I think like white people have a hard time understanding because their experience is so much different mm -hmm. in the yeah. sense of like someone being turning on TV and seeing someone that looks like you, something right, that yeah. white people don't think about ever. And I remember yeah. reading, this is like when I was a kid, I was probably like 14 reading an article in sports illustrated, uh, okay. about, um, okay. it was about baseball and the decline of baseball and, and black players in baseball and i remember as a kid being yeah. like i don't really understand it why does why does you know this guy care that gary sheffield was black like couldn't he just right, like a yeah. baseball player and that's something that never you know as i got older i began to understood understand why that's important and um maybe i don't know like is this the case like if you go back in, in wrestling even though a lot of the portrayals of black people in wrestling historically have not aged particularly well um, yeah i think yeah but even even though still you know being a place where you could see black people on tv where maybe that was less common um is a factor i, I remember um i had a friend um who, who, who older guy not even a wrestling fan mm -hmm. um and he's he's iranian and it was right after the Iron Sheik died. And he said yeah. something like, oh, yeah, like the Iron Sheik, he was like a hero to me when I was a kid because, you know, he was the, you know, outside of the Ayatollah, he was the only Iranian they ever showed on television. Right. And it's like, even though he was portraying like a really stereotypical, in a lot of ways you could consider harmful character, they this guy still had very fond memories of him because he was like the only you know, person that was like, that was, you know, like him, that was speaking Farsi uh, on television. And I don't know right. if that's, I mean, obviously. No, that's, yeah, that's a thing right there, right? And that's, because that's what happens with me when I was a kid. I, I liked all the stereotypical wrestlers and stuff. It's just when you grow older and sensibilities change, it's you got to evolve with the times. And I think that WWE hasn't been the greatest at doing that, you know, um, and then that's that's where you get these people that these comics that get, oh, I, I'm getting canceled and, you know, I'm just telling jokes and stuff and, and they're, they're just so like lost that they can't even like um, update their material, you know, it's, it's, it's one of those kinds of situations and it's not like we we weren't it's, we 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 that stuff bought us into wrestling but now to keep us in wrestling to get the new crop of fans people are not putting up with that nonsense the way they're doing in the this nonsense that we tolerate in the 80s is just not going to be the same for the 2020s it's it's and if you don't understand that then you've got to kind of get out of the business right Mm -hmm. And I think that comes back to, I think, I think in AEW, at least, mm -hmm. the talent is allowed to be more authentically themselves. Right. They're not, like, and I think one of the reasons I think Swerve's character is hitting is because Swerve, not only is Swerve 
happen to be black, but Swerve's character is very urban. He's, you know, this hip hop yeah, yeah. mogul. He, yeah, he's not a caricature. He's kind of being his authentic self and yeah. kind of at this moment being the best version of himself, even with him doing this stuff with Hangman Page and all of that. Well, so. he's a wrestler, so he's still got to be yeah. like, is it? But yeah. he feels like much more like a real person and he feels like somebody as opposed to WWE historically, right. a lot of the characters that anyone that was really like anyone is being portrayed in this very cartoonish over the top manner. Right. Um, and that's definitely true for talent of color. Uh, but, but even yeah. not like, I always, like, I always think like Vince's idea for somebody when he ever feels like they're not getting over as much was for them to just become more foreign or yeah, exaggerate more, whatever like, they are like well, gender mahal don't get me started yeah man. well you can even look at like drew like when drew when there was like some trepidation about drew becoming the champion like, <laughs> he's gotta be he's gotta paint himself like braveheart and he's gotta have yeah. a sword and he's gotta tell a story like he's he's it's like of stories of scottish folklore is like yeah just become yeah. more scottish you know yeah any, more ethnic yeah. yeah any wrestler that's ever been from you know, the UK Ireland has to pretend they're a king at some point. Usually they win King of the Ring, but then they have to become, whether it's, you know, Regal or Sheamus or Wade Barrett, they're all they're all a king at some point because right. that's how Vince Vince has always seen these people. Uh, anyone who's a little bit different than a <laughs> than a you know Anglo-Saxon American has to be a, this right. exaggerated version. And and hopefully that's different now that Vince seems to be out of really any significant creative decision making. Um, mm -hmm. But I still feel like that kind of lingers in wrestling, this old school belief of like exaggerate these personal traits that you have, even if it's completely inauthentic to that individual. Yeah, exactly. And, it, and it's a problem in wrestling. Um, so it's I, I, I there's so much I could say about that. Um, I do have to um, go. I have to have blood, blood drawn at, how, at my house in a minute. So oh, yeah. I have to. Uh, cut this short but yeah this is um yeah the very interesting conversation and yeah I, I um we could we could literally talk about this for hours um um i hope you have me back on i hope you you come on my podcast and we could talk about this a lot more anytime all right and um, then um, yeah. do you have anything you want to plug before you run oh there's the nwa podcast i'm writing a book but that's not going to be out for a while so we'll we'll get into all of that um and uh, yeah, man, just thanks for having me. Yeah, no, thanks a lot, Chris. I really appreciate you coming on the show and talking about the subject. Um, I think this is a was a was a great conversation, and I'm sure the response will be very well for 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 my listeners. And hopefully, um, they check out your podcast. And I I'd love to be on your show. You're welcome to come back on mine anytime. Um, but thanks a lot, and um, for all my listeners, I'll uh, thanks again for tuning in. Uh, and we'll I'll see you again after a while. Thanks. I appreciate it. I. Uh, do you like wrestling trivia? Then check out the five-star match game, the Pro Wrestling Quiz Show. I'm Joe Gagne, and every episode, I grill three contestants with five rounds of power-packed wrestling trivia. We have over 30 evergreen episodes in the archives covering WWE, AEW, Japan, Mexico, and much, 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 much more. Play along at home and check it out today. <laughs>